Discord to the cloud. Hi, my name is Michael Harris. I'm really happy that you are here today listening. I don't know whether you're listening on audio or video. If you're not listening and seeing this live, you might want to go to fallingupradio.com and to see the video. This is going to be a really outrageous interview today. It's going to be frank, raw, and edgy, just like I promised. Uh, but before that, I do need to mention a couple of things. Of course, my book, Falling Down, Getting Up, this book was number one in yoga recovery and stress so i encourage you to get it you can get it for free right here again at falling up radio and if you're listening and you want to be inspired and really to live your life to the fullest this is the place that you want to be we bring guests to you that really help inspire us all help you execute on your dreams and it doesn't really matter where you've been as a matter of fact Virtually all of us at some point have crashed and burned. I know I have. I know our guest has. As soon as I introduce him, he maybe tell you a little bit about that. And you probably have too. So crashing and burning is just part of the deal. We just get back up again, falling back up radio. So with that being said, I want to get uh, right to our guest. But I need to introduce, you know, I've got pages and pages and pages I, you know, check this guy out a little bit and um, look through. So we don't have enough time in the whole podcast to tell you everything this guy does or has done. But let me just tell you a little bit. Um, John Paul was originally from Boston. He moved to, to Los Angeles. He's been a, really a celebrity uh, trainer and sober coach. He does breath work. I really want to dive into that today as well. Um, let me keep going. I'm just, I'm just page after page after page. So what really makes John Paul stand out is really his no-nonsense approach. He has none of this new agey kind of stuff, which is really cool in today's world. You know, CEOs, Forbes, you know, have all brought him in to do work. Um, he's appeared on GMA, on Good Morning America, Huffington Post, uh, Hollywood Reporter, among others. I don't know if Hollywood Reporter is the best place to be on. They may dig up a little bit of dirt, but dirt's okay, too. This is the, the, the station for dirt. He's worked with Olympians, Oscar, Emmy, Grammy Award winners, and there's still more pages of stuff. John Paul really likes to facilitate or help people facilitate and transform their lives, really helping them execute again the tremendous growth of where they really want to be physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And one thing or a couple of things that John Paul likes to say that he's not, he's not a doctor, he's not a therapist, he's not a guru, he doesn't like to use fancy words, he's just simply a guy who has discovered a healthy way to live yes. and it's helping to show others that too. So John Paul, I'm going to stop right there since I don't want to take up the whole show. So John Paul Crimi, welcome to Falling Up Radio. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Michael. I really appreciate you having me on. Yes, absolutely. I have a question. Okay. And this is about breathing. Okay. Shoot. So I, I, I recognized this some time ago, but as far as breath, you know, I look back when, when I was a little kid uh -huh. and I would be out running around the neighborhood, whatever. And, you know, there would be, you know, the, the neighborhood, you know, the little fights, you know, that you have at six, seven, eight years old with the other neighbor kids. And uh, I don't know about you, but, you know, there were times where I would run home 
you know, and see my mom and she would open up the back door and see me all stressed out and, and huffing and puffing. And she would say, Michael, just breathe. Mm. Just breathe. Yep. And it's like mothers have this intuitive sense to remind us to do that. Yeah. You're a breath expert. Say something about that. Well, it's funny that you say that because I've actually been trying to do that with my daughter when she gets really upset. She gets really worked up over a thing and she's, you know, screaming or crying or whatever. And I'm going, take a breath. And she'll go, no, I can't take a breath. And I'll start <laughs> laughing and I'll say, okay, come on, please just try. Just watch. Just, you know, close your mouth and breathe through your nose into your belly. And sometimes she will and sometimes she won't. Sure. You know, but that's a great way to calm your nervous system is yeah. if you can take a moment and breathe in through your nose, down into your belly. This is the greatest, one of the greatest tips I have. We're going to start with this, which is great. So <laughs> if you breathe in through your nose, down into your belly, and you do a, a twice as long exhale as an inhale, that will calm your nervous system down. You probably already knew this. but And then what I like to do is I like to exhale through my mouth and make a sound, make a sigh. Mm -hmm. So I'll go, and I'll put my hands on my belly to really feel it, and I'll just go... And it feels great. You do three or four of those, calms you down. Sometimes before I speak in front of big audiences, I like to do a couple of those. Mm -hmm. And it just calms my nervous system down. Uh, cool. So I'm trying to instill that in my daughter. But, you know, it's hard. And how, how old is she? She's five. Yeah, and she's probably, you know, Dad, stop doing that stupid breathing thing on me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, kids tend to go the opposite way of their parents, which is, yeah. for me, that would be great if she went the opposite way that, that I went when I was younger. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, well see. Let, let, let's talk a little, let's put the breath work aside for a moment. I do want to come back to that. Okay. Um, but you grew up in Boston. Sure. And you, like so many of us, have had um, kind of a wild upbringing, so to yep. speak. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. And how I, I grew up in an area, um, the south shore of Boston, not southie, but 20 minutes, 25 minutes south of the city. And it was the fifth most Irish town in America, surrounded by the 13 most Irish towns in America. It's called the Irish, they, they nicknamed it the Irish Riviera, right? Mm -hmm. So you've got all these Irish people who moved from the city to the suburbs to, you know, do a better life. And what's funny is they've got like a city mentality in the suburbs. So people would steal your bikes and beat the shit out of you and uh, drink and get in fights and all kinds of crazy stuff in the suburbs. Um, and, you know, I was stabbed when I was 19 years old and almost died from that. Um, lost half the blood in my body. So that was scary. And I, and I just had a lot of crazy incidences, a lot of um, accidents car accidents a lot of friends a lot of close friends died growing up and it was really challenging and really difficult and i had no tools no skill set to deal with those things that happened to me or to deal with any emotion really uh, yeah. my my um my go-to technique for emotions I, i'm a very sensitive person and i'm comfortable with it now and i get very emotional when i teach and in my classes and sometimes when i speak and but growing up in Boston, that just wasn't a good thing to be, right? Sensitive and emotional. So what you do is what I did was I pushed it down. I did a shot and I punched somebody in the face. And then there you go. go away, yeah. right? Yeah. So you see what, what, what I would do, I would do something similar. I'd punch them in the face, then I'd run. <laughs> because I like to hit, but yeah. I didn't like to be on the receiving end. 
Right. Yeah. So keep going. Yeah. So I, you know, I got beat up a lot when I was younger and then I realized that if I just made sure that like what I got something in my head where I said, you know what, like some bigger person would start a fight with me. And I said, you know what, I'm going to make sure he never wants to fight me again. So I may lose this fight, but I'm going to hurt him. And I'm, he's never going to start a fight with me again. So that became my kind of my mentality. You know, or if you've crossed some line and I cannot allow this to stand. And so uh, I never started fights, I don't think, you know, but I may have in a blackout or something. Who knows? I've, I've been told some crazy stories about yeah. things that I've done. Yeah. Um, but I didn't like to fight. I didn't want to fight. It wasn't my thing. Uh, now, ironically, I, I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, a martial art, to kind of uh, express that side of myself. Mm -hmm. right? to, I find that we all have the light and the darkness inside of us. And you need to find, or I need to find a way to channel that darkness. And it's funny because I go like, oh man, if I don't go to jujitsu and choke somebody, then I'm going to need to choke somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I go to jujitsu a couple of days a week and I get that whole energy, that masculine sort of aggression out there. And I'm great. My wife's like, oh, go to jujitsu because I come home calm and I just mm -hmm. feel great. So there's a lot of things out there that I need to do, whether it's jujitsu, breath work, meditation float tank, yoga. I mean, I do it all. It's a lot. It's yeah. a lot to keep me calm. Yeah. Well, that's what we have to do with like jujitsu. Um, you're a purple belt or yes. black belt? Yeah, purple belt. Purple. Purple, yeah. And how long have you been doing that? About 10 and a half years. So quite a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, uh, I was a blue belt for a really long time. And then people asked me like, why have you been a blue belt for so long? And I said, well, cause my instructor believes the earth is flat. So there's nothing I can do about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's my old instructor. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't remember what Gracie it is. I, I have an article somewhere in my files where Gracie, one of them, I don't remember whether it was Royce or, or which one it was, and he attributed his breathing Hickson. to his success in the ring and his learning to breathe Hickson. correctly. Hickson Gracie. Hickson, yeah, that, that yeah. was, yeah. Yeah, that's one of my former teachers. Yeah. Ironically, I got to the guy I used to train with and I trained with his son for a very long time and some other legends. I got to train, I've trained with some living legends in the jujitsu world, which has been yeah. great. And yeah. that's part of why I've been a purple belt. I mean, I've been doing it so long. These guys don't give out belts easily. Yeah. Well, I, I like what they say. I know it's, it's not jujitsu, but uh, karate kid and, you know, that they go in to compete and they ask uh, Mr. Minagi, Manugi, whatever his name is, yeah, uh, what his belt is. And he looks down and he says, oh, it's a leather belt. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the belt only covers two inches of your ass. You got to cover the rest. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, well, jujitsu is a great. Ju, ju, sorry, jujitsu is a great metaphor because they have a saying: it's either you either win or you learn. Mm. Right, and I think that's great. You can adapt that mentality for life. It's like you know, there's been a lot of things that I've tried in my life and I haven't been successful at. I've failed at so many things, a ton. So like all those things you were saying, it's like, that's just such a small, minute thing of like all the things that I've done and tried and worked really hard at. So but I also learned that the people who fail the most are the people who succeed the most. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. So falling forward or falling up. Falling up. Right. Yeah. 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 
So you, you grew up in Boston. What, and you, you moved to LA sometime in, in your early 20s. What yeah. inspired you to do that? What got you from one coast to the other coast? Um, I went on a trip to Hawaii with a, a, a friend and a, and a girlfriend. And I came back and I was like, oh my God, I, ha I have to get out of here. I cannot, there's so much out there that I need to see and do and experience. And I, I'm going to end up in Boston for the rest of my life. And there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, I just had bigger aspirations. Um, and I secretly wanted to become an actor or try acting and see if I could make a run at that. Um, I, had, I had done a lot of theater when I was younger and really enjoyed it. And so I thought, well, let me, get, let me go out to California and, and take a shot at this. You know, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, um, I was like handsome in my hometown, right? And so like everyone is like the prom king and queen that moves to LA and then you go to an audition and you're like, you're sitting there with 40 other guys that are just as good looking, if not better looking than you. Yeah. Right? In better yeah. shape with more talent. You're just like, oh my yeah. God. So it was a rude awakening. Yeah. So it's like you, you, you went to L.A., you had a headshot and um, a, a resume, and you were working as a waiter or something? Or uh, No, I worked in the gym business. You so, worked in the gym business. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I worked at a couple gyms. I worked at this gym, Powerhouse Gym on Main Street in Venice. Yep. And then, you know, I've worked in Gold's Gym. I worked in Gold's Gym for about 13 years as a trainer. Um, it's called the Mecca of bodybuilding, but I call it the Mecca of narcissism. Mm. Um, it's just quite a, it's a freak show in there. It's interesting. Yeah. And it was quite a place. Yeah. Um, so I worked in the gym business and it's funny because uh, now all, all the actors want to be trainers, not waiters anymore. Yeah. It's a well, better. Then, then, then they look better and you know, the, they don't, they don't have to stay up till four o'clock in the morning. Anymore. Yeah. It pays better. You make your own schedule. You don't have to work full time. You can work your clients yeah. around your auditions. Yeah. So when, when, when you made that move, um, you'd mentioned about uh, uh, getting sober. What inspired you to get sober? I mean, did you have one huge, big, like, crash and burn that you want to share with the listeners? Or sure. I mean, how, listen. How, how was that transition? I've had several crashes and burns, right? And there's several bottoms, as they call them in the sobriety world and the recovery world. But, you know, and, and some people, you know, that's, a, I look at that as a window of opportunity now, right? I tell people, I help a lot of people in recovery and I say, this is a window of opportunity. Whether you're going to climb through this window or not is up to you. Um, mm -hmm. But what happened to me, the final bottom was I was losing my hair. I had, I got this thing called alopecia and it was sudden hair loss and I had patches all over my head and my body. And, um, it was, you know, they don't know what causes it. I think it's stress or trauma brings it on. And it's an immune system thing, an autoimmune, where your immune system turns on you and starts attacking your hair follicles. Mm -hmm. So uh, my immune system was going haywire. And so they put me on prednisone, which is a catabolic steroid, right? It makes you bloated, but it has all the horrible side effects of anabolic steroids. So I'm yeah. like this flat, fat, bloated trainer at Gold's Gym. And it's just terrible. And I'm going on auditions and the casting director's like, what's off with you? And I'm like penciling in my eyebrows and my, I'm drawing in these ball patches on my head and I'm getting cortisone shots at the time, like 200 shots. They do them on my eyebrows. and Cortisone and prednisone, both? Yeah. I'm, taking, I'm taking oral prednisone. I'm getting cortisone shots with a needle and it's so mm -hmm. painful. 
and I cannot handle what's happening to me uh, because so much of my self-esteem and self-worth was wrapped up in my looks. You know, I'm a fitness model. I'm an actor. You know, I thought I was really good looking, uh, all this kind of stuff. It's embarrassing to say now, but it's the truth, right? So let's be honest. So I'm losing the thing, right? If, you're, if your self-esteem and your self-worth is wrapped up in your career or your car or your relationship and that's torn away, you know, hopefully you find some deeper meaning in your life. A lot of people commit suicide or do, you know, things. What I did is I started drinking and taking drugs even more. So like I was already drinking, but it elevated my drinking. I started taking Vicodin when I'd get the shots, the cortisone shots, but then I started just eating it on a regular basis because it's an emotional pain blocker too. It's not just a physical pain blocker. So I couldn't deal with the emotions of what was happening to me. Mm -hmm. I started eating Vicodin all day, every day. And, uh, I basically bottomed out. Like I went to a therapist and I told her what was going on. And she said, you know, you need to get in, you need to get sober. You need to get into recovery. And I was like, really? You know, I'm, I live on the Venice canals and I have a, I'm a manager at the gold's gym and I have a, don't you know who I am? I'm a training business. Like, what do you mean? I'm not a, I'm not an addict or an alcoholic. How can that be? Right. I'm successful in a lot of ways, but Mm -hmm. inside I was dying. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's not about what's on the outside. It's what's going on on the inside. Mm-hmm. You know, happiness, fulfillment is all an inside job. It's all an inside job. There's nothing I'm going to get that from the outside that's going to make me happy on the inside. And I've had to learn that lesson a thousand times. And now, it over, I, you know, this week, it ironically, is 19 years sober for me. And I've, I've learned that, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to work with some of the most successful people on the planet you know, some of the most famous people on the planet. And I've seen it firsthand, you know, fame doesn't fix you. Money doesn't fix you. Those people oftentimes are the most unhappy because they thought when they got the the Oscar or the Grammy or the thing, it was going to fix them and it doesn't. And now they're even more isolated because, you know, it's just, it's sad. Yeah. Um, So that was my story. So that bottomed me out. I got sober at about 26 years old. And I've been sober, you know, 19 years now. Wow, that's great. And you said this week? This week, yeah, March 5th. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. But you just had it. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Tuesday. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, good work, dude. Thank you. So we're the single best decision I've ever made. Everything good in my life is either a direct or or indirect result of, of that decision to get sober. Yeah, yeah. And other than your therapist, was there anybody else pushing you? I mean, girlfriend? Or- well, yeah. So I, um, I, I, I had it hit a bottom this crazy weekend. One of my close friends died, and I used that as an excuse to go on a big run, and I was drinking all weekend and out of my mind. And I left the strip club, and I was jumping the canal bridges in Venice with my car. Like, yeah. oh. I, I didn't even know the cops were in tow. And, you know, the cop, like – pulled me over in front of my house and was going to arrest me. And I was like, that's my house. And here's what happened and all this stuff. And the next day, you know, I, I woke up and the, the, the window was broken. I had to break my way into the house and the phone was missing and all these problems. And my stripper roommate at the time was like, you're a mess, dude, this female. She's like, you're a mess. And I'm like, I know, what do I do? And she's like, you know, go to the 12 step, you know, go do 12 step. And, and I'm like, okay, you know, like, so my therapist had suggested that, but somehow my stripper roommate at the time carried more weight than my therapist. Oh, so yeah. when she suggested it, I was like, okay, I'll go check it out. And I went in 
And I was fortunate enough to go into to a men's meeting that, you know, they were telling my story. So it's just like. And so you ever since then, you haven't had a drink or needed to use. Nothing. Yeah. yeah I, mean, I tried to do it on my own for a while. I really tried like, you know, and I'd get 30 days or 60 days without drinking. And in that time, I, I have to admit, looking back, I was like a crazy person yeah. because alcohol wasn't my problem. Me, how I feel inside, that's my problem. Why I want to drink, that's my problem. All the stuff that happens inside of me, that's my problem. Alcohol is my solution, right? Yeah. So uh, when I'm dry without any sort of solution or recovery, then that's worse. Yeah. Yeah. And I know people who do it that way. And some people, you know, it's just like, I almost want to say like, go have a drink. It's like, you'd be better off to be around. Yeah. I, I, I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I've said that to a few people. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you have. Yeah. <laughs> so, where, where did the breath work come into place? How, how did that get started? Well, so the breath work happened. It's a funny story. So, um, no, and, now don't tell me it was your stripper roommate again. No, it wasn't. It was okay. actually Matthew Perry from Friends. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it, this is kind of a roundabout story, but uh, I was Matthew Perry's personal trainer a long time ago and we became good friends. He's a great guy. And we were, uh, we were going to all the, the Kings game, the Los Angeles Kings hockey games. And yep. it just happened to be 2012 when they were making a run for the Stanley Cup. And they, we're in the Stanley Cup uh, finals and we were in this little VIP room underneath the Staples Center and all these, every celebrity in Los Angeles is in there. And, I, and I'm looking around and then in walks Tony Robbins. And I go, oh my God, it's Tony Robbins. And Matthew goes, really? That's who you're excited about in here? A gigantic man. Every celebrity in Los Angeles is, excited, is in here and you're excited about some gigantic man. I'm like, he's amazing. He's helped all these people. And I've been a fan of his for a long time. I've read his books and stuff. And he goes, well, go tell him. I go, I'm not going to bug him. You know, I, I've worked with a ton of celebrities and I didn't want to be that guy to him. So I'm walking back through the tunnel and Tony knew I wanted to say something. I think he sensed it. And he said, hey, man, how's it going? And I said, I never do this, but I'm a fan and I love your work. And he said, have you ever been to my seminar? And I said, no, I haven't. And he goes, well, I'd love it if you come next month as my VIP guest. And nice. he had me be his guest. And it's something in there. And I was really frustrated at the time where I was in my life and my career. Like... And something just cracked open inside of me. Mm. And I just stopped and I just, I wept right in the moment. I just said, forget about all this Hollywood stuff. Forget about all this BS. I'm just going to help people. That's what I'm going to do. That's my gift. That's what I'm good at. Forget about Hollywood. Forget about this thing and that thing and all the dreams I've been chasing for 20 years. I'm going to help people. And at the end of my life, my life will have been worthwhile. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So... I got back from that and I was silent. And my wife was like, what happened? And, and I said, I think I want to have children. And she's like, what? <laughs> like, I totally changed my mind about having kids. And then a couple of people who didn't know each other said, you need to go do breath work. And I was like, what's breath work? So I went to this weird place and it was like as bad as I thought it was going to be. You know, it was like oils and crystals and, you know, a sheepskin rug. And I'm like, this oh, was what? in L.A.? Yes. And I'm like, yeah. what is this fresh hell that I have walked into? Yeah. And, you know, I just said whatever. And I laid down and I did this breathing technique and it was incredible. It was life changing from the first moment. Like it was uncomfortable at first, but I'm a trainer and I had tried every single type of meditation out there except this. And what it did was it gave me a thing to focus on like a workout and it mm -hmm. shut off my brain. It shut off my brain in a way I had wished drugs and alcohol would have. 
It shut off my brain and it opened me up and all this stuff came out of me, just years of trauma, just years of shit. And I thought I had done all the work. I thought I had done all the 12 step and the therapy and all this. And I just, everything came out and I cried. I wept like I've never wept in my life. So it's like all those issues in your tissues got released. That's right. That's right. The most common thing I hear after breathwork classes, and I've I've done thousands of them now, it's like, oh my God, that was like 20 years of therapy without having to say a word. Like it literally leaves you. And the more skeptical you are, the better, the bigger the experience. I love it when someone gets dragged in there, like really, I'm going to lay on the floor and I'm going to breathe, dude, and something's going to happen to me. Okay. I'm like, that's my person right? It's undeniable. That's what I love about it. You don't have to believe in anything. You don't have to like it. You just have to fucking do it. And Mm -hmm. it works. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I went, wow, uh, this thing's incredible. And I did it every day for a year. And people were like, I don't know what you're doing, but you're like a different person. And I wasn't even telling people I was like embarrassed about it. So I I kept doing it. My wife's like, keep doing it. You're transforming. Mm -hmm. And it changed me. It, it like all the stuff just left me and I was calmer and I was more loving and I was more present. And so I started like training with all these different breathwork gurus and these different people. And I went through so much weird training shit and I was just like, Oh God. And I wasn't training to become a teacher. I was training just cause I wanted to understand it more. And then I got sucked into teaching, right? This woman who had a studio in LA was like, why don't you teach a class? I was like, Oh God, I don't want to teach a class. I've never even taught a class. And She's like, come on, it'll be great. So I said, okay. So I taught a class and I invited my friends. And ironically, Matthew Perry was one of the first people who came. And he goes, this is what you're supposed to be doing with your life. Mm-hmm. He's like, this is your gift. Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, I know you don't want, it's like, you're meant to do this. And I open up when I do it, something happens to me and I get emotional and I have learned what comes from the heart goes to the heart, right? So people nowadays, everyone has a really good bullshit detector. So when you open up and you allow yourself to get vulnerable, people know it's real, right? I'm not a fucking Academy Award winning actor, <laughs> right? So, um, so when I do that, when I open up and I allow myself to get vulnerable, it gives you permission to get vulnerable and to go there. And so people open up in my classes and have these big experiences. And it's been an incredible ride for me. And now I teach people how to teach it. And I'm watching my students go out there and become amazing teachers and have these incredible classes. And it's just been the greatest gift, the greatest. And I never in a million years would have thought that this is what I would be doing with my life. Yeah, I hear you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even like me, without getting into this, I mean, as a, yoga teacher and having taught for 25 years now, I never thought that I'd ever be a yoga teacher. Never occurred to me. Um, So, I mean, I, I, I hear you on that one. Um, So tell us more. Is it, there's all these different types of breathing. Yep. There's different methods. You kind of demonstrated something there early on when we first started talking today. Is there some simple breathing thing that would make sense to a listener that's never done this that might be able to help them? Well, so here, let me, yeah, that's a great point. Let me clarify it because I see tons of articles now on breath work and breathing. And and part of the challenge is, is that breath work is an umbrella term, right? So it's like saying fitness, like I do fitness and people are like, oh, there's tons of fitness. What do you do? Do you do CrossFit? Do you do yoga? Do you do this? Do you do that? So the type of the style of breath work that I do 
is uh, conscious connected breathing. We do it through the mouth, which is a little different. Most of the time you should be breathing through your nose, but this is something the way my style is you lay on the floor flat on your back um, and you breathe two breaths in and one breath out. Um, and you breathe down into your diaphragm, diaphragmatic breathing, circular breathing. You don't rest in between the breaths. So mm -hmm. it's this very transformational, uh, intense style. Most of the stuff you're reading about today is about like box breathing or some, some type of relaxation breath technique. That's not what my thing is. I can do those. I do do those, but that's not my particular style. That's not the style that transformed my life. Um, I and personally don't like things where I have to count. Um, maybe because I used to be a trainer or because I just feel like, oh no, now I'm, I'm restricted in this counting thing, right? Yeah, yeah. One, two, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't like that, but there's tons of stuff out there. There's just so many different styles and techniques and um, there's no specific name for the style I teach, maybe other than conscious connected breathing or circular breath work. There was a bunch of names, you know, like rebirthing, it's similar to holotropic breath work, but that's this weird out there thing. It's a lot faster. It's yeah. not hyperventilating. Some people will say, oh, you're hyperventilating. Like that's yeah. not what you're doing. People love to just discount things before they try it. Right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, you're hyperventilating. Oh yeah, or I know how to breathe already. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah, obviously you need it the most. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, so there's a lot of different styles and techniques out there that, that work. They all work. If you're going to start to study the breath and go down that rabbit hole, they're all great. Yeah, and they're, they're all different things. Even like in, in um, yoga, I do a lot with breath myself. And, you know, there's different types of breathing techniques depending upon, you know, where you are, what you want to, what you want the result to be. But even just, you know, whether it's your presence or, you know, whatever it is. I mean, like you right. said, I mean, there's dozens and hundreds of different types of breathing techniques. And, right. And you've got people popularizing them now. Like Wim Hof is really popular right yeah. now, right? And Wim is great. I love uh, the Wim Hof method. I don't think he invented it. I think it came from India thousands of years ago. And well, I think, he, I think he says that too. Yeah, he? he's great. He, I think he's awesome. He yeah. made it really popular, right? And so he's calling I think, well, and I think his method is really the breathing with the ice baths and stuff like that. Yeah. I think that's his whole thing overall. And I think he's amazing. Any, I think anyone who's bringing attention to the breath is amazing. Yeah. And um, so, so do you jump in the river too? Well, so I fought the ice thing for so, so long. I was like, I'm not going to do that. I hate being cold. I can't do cold showers. And I still don't like cold showers, but I now do the cold plunge. Mm. So that's the place that I go to in Bend that has the 45 degrees cold plunge. And yep. I go to my neck. And I'm the only one. It's a runner's place. So everyone else just does their legs. And they think I'm a psycho. I get into my neck. And I sit there for a while. And, and there's a hot, uh, hot right next to it. So I go back and forth but I finished cold and I'll tell you it, I've stopped getting colds since I started doing that. And my joints feel like a, a, a thousand times better after I get out of there. And you know, I'm, I'm a hot yoga guy. And a number of years ago, you know, I started doing cold showers and then like through my practice, I started going like in the river here because there's a hot yoga studio here where we live and there's a river right there so oftentimes you go jump in the river but i'm cold shower i mean i every day it's like at the end and at first i had a lot of resistance to it 
you know, especially being a high yoga guy, it's just like, what? No. And then, you know, I started adding in the cold and I love it. It's like the best part. It is. It's great. And I'll tell you what I love. I love the cold and I go back and forth with the cold or the cold to the uh, infrared sauna. Yeah. And then Wim does that too, I think, Wim Hof. Yeah. And then um, do you do the halo therapy as well with the infrared? I don't do the halo therapy. Yeah. You'll that's like where you're breathing the salt? Oh, no. No, yeah, I don't do that. Yeah, that, that's really great. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I have a float tank. Uh-huh. Um, it's actually right next to me. I turned the thing oh, right nice. on. Yeah. You can kind of see it in the background over here. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, so, I can see it. Yeah, so um, that's my uh, that's my favorite favorite place to go. So I discovered that someone took me there on my thirty second birthday, I think, as a as a treat. And you know, the guy said, "Oh, you know, I don't have anyone after you. It's your birthday. Stay in as long as you like." And I came out five hours later, and he goes, "Wow, I've never seen anyone do five hours their first time." Yeah, and I had this really incredible experience where I went back through my life and sort of forgave people. Yeah. Mm. It was like a refloating experience rather than a rebirthing experience. Exactly. And so that was kind of my first forte into meditation because I could, I would lay in there and the float tank and the salt is, you know, uh, 800 pounds of Epsom salt. And so it puts magnesium in your body, which we're all deficient in, and it takes all the weight off you and it just would relax me and I would just relax and breathe in there. Right. And it's just this incredible way to rejuvenate physically mentally emotionally so my dream was always to own my own but they've always been really expensive for a long time and then this company came out a couple years ago that made it really affordable um and so now i have their tank yeah it's nice to have your own personal one yeah it's people think i'm weird but i'm like well people have jacuzzis this actually has more benefits than a jacuzzi yeah yeah and you might be weird and, you know, I might be weird and okay, so we're weird. Well, listen, the, one of the keys to having an enjoyable life that I found is not giving a shit what people think about you. Right. Or yeah. what, you know what I mean? Like once I was free, that was one of the things that breathwork really helped me freed me from other people's opinions. Do I want to be happy? Or do I want to give a shit what people think about me? Because yeah. I have to choose. Yeah. Right? I hear you. But that must have been hard because... Excuse me, I, you know, I like to take notes here. Sure. Well, I'll tell you when it started. Um, it started but but you, you were sensitive. You said you were sensitive. And oftentimes, people that have drank, that are alcoholics or addicts, they're sensitive people. And to yep. get over that idea of that, you know, we are who somebody else's opinion is of us. Yeah. Is really hard to move through. The hair, losing all my hair really started that journey for me, yeah. right? I'm not my hair. I'm not my job. I'm not your opinion of me. I'm none of those things, yeah. right? What am I, right? And it's funny because now people actually come at me even more so uh, than before because I'm on social media and I have a bigger presence and I get articles written in podcasts and different things and people will say, stupid shit like you know they think they're being original they're like oh this guy's the guy from powder or z nation or uh one person was actually funny he's like this guy's look will keep anyone sober which i thought was okay i can appreciate a good joke about myself but like you know people people are shitty and you know rumors go around that people make up and all this kind of stuff and they it comes at you on social media and i have to and i've really learned it's just like 
that's, that says more about them and who they are and what's going on in their life than it does about me. Yeah. Well, even you know, when it is about me, it's still not about me. Yeah. You probably have heard this said too, that if you don't piss off somebody by noon, you're not doing your work. <laughs> you know, and especially when, when you're out in, in public and on social media and doing all this and talking about what, what, whatever it is, there's people that are going to follow you, their, your tribe, so to speak, yeah. And there's going to be another tribe of people that aren't going to follow you, but it's like their life mission to criticize you. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like go for it. Yeah, yeah. My yeah. friend Milton used to say, "God, he was such a great guy." He go, he he said this thing: if you meet more than two assholes in the day, then you might be the asshole. And I yeah. said, Milton, that's true in Idaho, but in Los Angeles, <laughs> I can meet two assholes in the line at Starbucks, and it's still not me. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So what, what are you doing now with your breath work? You, you talk about teaching and yep. you're teaching a lot and you're doing uh, group classes yep. and you're doing teacher trainings. What does all that look like today? So I go to every other month right now, I go to Los Angeles and I do teacher trainings. Um, mm -hmm. And I usually have about 40 people in those teacher trainings. And I have two different trainings. I have one training for basics and one-on-one, -on -one, how to work with people one-on-one. -on -one. And then I have another training for how to lead couples and groups. So I have two different trainings. If you do both trainings, I give you a certification. Um, and I'm actually going to be putting those online soon, which is great. I'm, I'm in the process of doing that now. Those have been edited and I'm building the online courses because there's people in other countries and places that can't make it to Los Angeles and say, hey, I want to learn this. And my mission is to spread it to as many people as I can. I want as many people as I can to have this experience, right? This transformational breathing experience that's changed my life. So I'm putting those online. I have a course online that's been really popular. Just started selling it about two months ago, not even. And I'm getting these emails from people that are just, it's just amazing. It's like the same thing from class, right? So I have a bunch of different workshops that I used to do in Los Angeles, like the transformational letter and all these different things with breathwork combined with breathwork. Um, that were really powerful. And what I decided to do was put them into a five-day course. I call it the five-day emotional detox. Mm -hmm. It's all online. And so the first day is breath work. And then the second day is affirmations and breath work and the transformation, you know, so you do this five-day course, life-changing, life-changing. Yeah. And wow. it, so I'm really into that right now. Uh, and I got a couple other things in the works that I can't talk about quite yet. Um, <laughs> That are, that are exciting. Yeah. Um, you'll be seeing those come out soon enough. So it's like really exciting. I don't do as many classes as I used to. Um, I do one in Bend, Oregon, usually a month. I do one or two in LA a month. Uh, and that's about it. Yeah. So I'm really yeah. focused on the teacher trainings and just sort of spreading it out. I'm excited to train other people and watch them spread it to other people. Yeah. So, so briefly, what is your daily life like or do you have a morning ritual i mean morning rituals are, are really big and, and i have my own morning rituals i do do, do you have a particular ritual that you go through yeah my ritual right now and it's changed over the years right so the current one that i wake up with every day uh, i try to get to bed early right because i think uh you win the morning you win the day right mm -hmm. so i get to bed around 9 30 10 o'clock um I wake up around anywhere between four and 5.30. And mm -hmm. the first thing I do is I go pee. <laughs> Rise, pee, <laughs> meditate, right? It's the truth. Yeah. You want it raw and real, right? So I go yeah. pee. 
And then I come back and um, I like to stretch for a couple minutes. And my stretches are really just yoga poses. I do some down dog, I do some cat cow, I get into a squat, a seated squat. Um, and then I do a few more stretches. And then I like to get into child's pose and, and say a couple prayers, right? Mm. Yeah. And I feel like child's pose is great for that because it really brings the physicality of surrender. Yeah. That's true surrender. So I get in that position and, in my, and my prayer has nothing to do with religion. I, you know, I was an altar boy in Boston and I'm not promoting any kind of religion whatsoever. So, um, so then I do that and then I'll do, I'll lay down and I'll do some breath. And the mm -hmm. breath can be different all the time. I might do uh, Wim's te technique where you do 30 breaths in and then you exhale and hold. I might do a couple sets of that. I might do a full breath work session. I might just do some uh, connected breaths. It just depends on what I feel like that day. I usually switch that up day to day. Yeah. Then I sit on the pillow and I like to meditate for about 15 minutes. Mm. Then after that, I, I play some gratitude affirmations off of YouTube. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I start saying, thank you, right? Thank mm -hmm. you for my hands. Thank you for my feet. Thank you for my life. Thank you for food. Thank you for the water. Thank you for the sky, because that's what gratitude is, right? Gratitude is saying, thank you for what I have. Yeah. And I don't just say it, but I get into the emotion. I try and bring the emotion of that gratitude of that thanks into my body. I, I like to do something that I call obscure gratitude. And I'll do this in some of the classes that, that I'm teaching too. And I'll say, um, you know, it's easy to be grateful for our clothes or our boyfriend or our girlfriend or this or that or whatever. I said, what if you were grateful for the person that made the clothes, that planted the coffee bean, that grew the coffee bean, that harvested and, you know, go through this whole thing until it gets to us, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And just really looking at and recognizing that we have this incredible connection. I mean, I think it. about the person that grew the grain, that made the bread, that fed that, that driver that drove the beans to the market. Yeah. I mean, we're just all connected. So I like to call it obscure gratitude. I like it. Yeah. I mean, listen, what if I was grateful, which I am, for losing all my hair? because yeah. it sent me on the course that changed my life. What if I was grateful for the girlfriend that broke my heart because it forced me to look at those parts of myself and do more work on myself and become yeah. the man I am today? Yeah. What if I was grateful for everyone that ever hurt me? Yeah. Because it, it made me who I am today, Yeah. right? Well, it's actually something I was gonna ask you is because of going from that transition to drinking and using to sobriety, it's like, that bottom, that jumping over those bridges in your car, you know, as the police are after you, you know, to me, that's like a spiritual experience. Sure. You know, with the blue and red lights behind us. Yeah. Pulling us over and putting us in handcuffs and going, oh, my God, how did I get here? Yeah. I've had that spiritual experience a lot of times. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's like that spiritual experience that creates that transformation. Yeah. 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 It, is, it is if you make it that so. Right. Right. And so it's, it's the same thing as that window of opportunity, spiritual experience, window of opportunity. This is something like I don't I, – I see this, my life, all of a sudden in a different way. This is an opportunity to change it, Right. 
Or sometimes what happens to a lot of people is they start to fall back and they start to go, well, maybe I was being too rash and it wasn't that bad. And, you know, a lot of people get pulled over by the cops and, you know, I was crazy because my friend died and they start to rationalize and justify and do all these things instead of going, getting honest with themselves and saying, yeah, I really need to make a change in my life. I'm not happy with where I am, who I am, what I'm doing, the way I'm living my life let me make a change and let me stick to it. You know, doing what's uncomfortable is what's changed my life, right? I say this all the time in my classes. If you do what's easy all the time, life gets hard. But if you do what's hard, life starts to get easy. And I have done the uncomfortable work so much and so long that there's very little uncomfortable work left for me. Everything is really great and easy in my life now. It's very rare that I hit up against something uncomfortable and then I go, oh, can I use this as an opportunity to grow? Yeah. If you I can shift to that mindset, you're going to crush. You're going to yeah. have a great life. Yeah. So for, for the people that are listening, we're, we've got a few more minutes left here, here today, but are there like a couple of, of tips? I mean, you've transformed. What, what would you tell somebody that's maybe in that space where they're not quite sure where they are, what they're doing, Life is kind of messy, you know, maybe they're an alcoholic, maybe they're not, but something just isn't working. Yeah. What, what would you may, maybe have some ideas or help somebody find some ideas to make a change or transform or, you know, to recognize that there are other ways to live life? I think the first step is finding somebody that can kind of get you on that path. Because you can't fix the broken brain you have with the broken brain you have, right? right? If you knew better, you'd do better, right? If you knew the way out, if you knew a better way to live or whatever, you would be doing it. I, feel, I honestly feel like everybody is really doing the best that they can for what they have in that moment. And I was doing the best that I could when I was out there doing all this terrible stuff. I had to find people who knew how to live a different way. And I found some really good mentors and I continue to find good mentors in my life. And so I've been really blessed with finding people and going, how did you do this? How did you get sober? How did you learn how to build a business? How did you do this? And how, you know, you know, I had a great mentor to get sober. I had a great mentor uh, to build a training business. I had a great mentor for breath work. I had a great mentor for you know, my sober companion business. I have a, I don't think we talked about this. I have a sober companion, sober coaching business. And in addition to the breath work, and it, mm-hmm. it has been amazing. You know, I, I put people with other people um, who need help in sobriety and, mm-hmm. you know, have a coaching business. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding of someone that can help you on that path is a key thing, is a key way to start. Because I just don't know what I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's probably the first tip I would have. And then I would say, going back to what I said earlier, which is do the work that you don't want to do. You don't grow by doing what you already already do. You grow by doing new things, uncomfortable things, be willing to move out of your comfort zone to grow, be willing to show up for yourself to grow, you know, self-care, self-love, self-worth. It's all by showing up for yourself, doing the uncomfortable work. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's been key for me. Like, you know, you just, if you're looking at people that you admire out in the world, like a Tony Robbins or an Oprah Winfrey or somebody like that, those people are not sitting on their couch watching Netflix for five hours every night. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. So neither am I. 
Yeah. You know, I'm going, to, I'm reading a little bit before bed. I go to bed, I get up early, I do my morning routine, I work on my businesses, right? I spend time with my family and then I work on my physical self, my emotional self, my mental self. And then I go back to work on my businesses and I spend more time with my family. Then I go to bed and I do it again. Yeah. And I have a great life. Chop wood, carry water. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's it. And in a way that, that you found that that works and, um, you know, one of the things that I realized too, and it took me a long time to realize this because there's so many books and they're written by people that have had their own personal revelation, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And they say, here are my personal revelations and this is what I did. And this is maybe some ideas or some things that you can do, etc. And it's so easy to say, well, I'm going to do um, what that person's revelations were rather than going within and creating our own personal revelation. And yeah. there's a difference. And there, there's a fine line between having that um, other person's experience show us that we can do that yeah. and really recognizing our own revelations. How do you find your own revelations, though, if you don't know – what you're doing and how to get there. Well, like say breath work. I mean, you, you may have a teacher with breath work, but you're going to reveal yeah. what's going on within you. Breath work is the greatest example of that. Yeah. I had a teacher, but for the first year, I was my own teacher. I was doing it myself. I was doing it on my own and I was having my own revelations, as you just said. Sure. Right. And it really was. And I have people that come to me who have never done breath work or have done it one time and they want to learn how to teach it. And I'm like, great, take the courses with me. But here's the thing. Do a ton of this on your own because yeah. nothing is going to be a better teacher for, for you, make you into a better teacher than you having your own experience through transformation through breath work. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're going to be the best teacher if you can talk and you can speak and lead from that place. Yeah. You know, what, what just popped in is, is something that happened a number of years ago. I was actually in Los Angeles working myself, um, flying back and forth from Portland at the time, and, and I was really struggling, and I had a girlfriend that I found was sleeping with somebody else, and, you know, just all this stuff, right? And I called up a mentor-type friend of mine, and I said, what do I do? What should I read? You know, what should I listen to? And, and he said, don't listen to anything don't read anything, get up early tomorrow morning and go find somebody that's struggling more than you and help them. Yeah. Yeah. And by doing that, I got out of myself. And again, it's, I'm not reading anything else. It's my experience, not somebody else's experience imposed upon me. Yeah. That's a very uh, Buddhist principle, I think, where, you know, I read somewhere where they say there's two types of people out there. There's the smart, selfish person and the dumb, selfish person, right? And the dumb, selfish person, when they're going through a difficult time, they're feeling bad for themselves, they just focus on that. And the smart, selfish person goes and helps somebody else that's going through a harder time than them. Yeah. So we're both selfish. We're all selfish, no matter what. It's just that you're going to be smart, you're going to be dumb about it, right? And so you were really smart about it. You went and helped somebody else. Yeah. And, you know, I, I went down, I went down to, a, um, there was a coffee shop I'd go to early in the morning on, down on Pico, like 31st or 33rd and Pico or something like that. Yeah. I'd go down there early sometimes and, and have some coffee and started uh, talking to this person. And it was just like, 
how did this happen? How did the universe bring this experience here to happen? Yeah. You know, and I was able to move through what was going on with me by putting my hand out and helping this other person. Yeah, that's, that's a great story. My story in recovery that I usually share when I speak is this story where I was helping this guy that could not get sober and it was brutal to watch, you know, every 30 days. And uh, he asked me to help and I'm like, oh my God, what am I going to tell this guy? I had about five or six years sobriety at the time. He had broken his teeth out because he didn't want to put his hands out when he fell off his bike and dropped the crack rock. Yeah. You know? And it was just, oh. And so I sat him down and I said, this is what we're going to do. And he's like, okay. And at one point in that thing, um, he tried to fire me and I was like, no, no, you don't get to fire me. I'm helping you for free. Right. So that's not going to happen. And then he got 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. He got a year and he had never gotten a year and it changed my life. Right. And somewhere in that process of helping him, uh, he called me and said, can you come to my house tonight? And I was like, oh man, I'm exhausted. I trained like nine clients and I went, yep, I'll come to your house. And I went there and I helped him and I was feeling great. And on the way out, his neighbor was walking in with a friend and, um, and I met the neighbor and the friend and I was like, wow, the friend's really hot. And he called me 20 minutes later with her number, like he should. (laughs) (laughs) And that's my wife. Wow. Years. Wow. Yeah. You never know where you're going to meet, right? That's my wife. And, um, and I always, people are like, wow, you know, like that's amazing. And I'm like, the moral isn't like you get a hot wife if you help people, yeah. right? Uh, the moral is help people get out of your house and you don't know what, you know, it's going to be put in your life, right? Yeah. Everybody's always surprised that I have this beautiful hot wife. I'm like, listen, I lost my eyebrows. I didn't lose my game. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so helping other people has been probably the biggest difference in my life you know, uh, over and over and over again. I mean, because I helped that guy, a bunch of other people came to me who were difficult cases and I helped them. And then someone dragged me into the sober companion world. And then I ended up helping tons of successful celebrities and rock stars and all these kind of people. And that whole thing was tremendous for me. And and so it, it, it just like, it's like that moment that I go back to with the Tony Robbins thing. It's like, that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm just supposed to help people. Well, it's just like when I was just pulling out one of my papers here and um, when I introduced you, um, you, know, you talk about what I'm not, you know, not the doctor, the therapist, the guru, et cetera. You're simply a guy who discovered your own key to a healthy, fulfilling life and you want to share that with others. Right. And that's great. Yeah, that's it. What a great way to live. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, look, we're all just like Ram Dass says, like we're all just walking each other home. Yeah. So um, we're already at the end of the time. I know we could keep going probably for a couple more hours. So tell people this is going to be on um, the website too, fallingupradio.com. I'll list out the websites and any place that you want connected. But is there a simple way um, for the people that are listening um, or a website that they could go to to find out more? Yeah, um, my website is breathe, B-R-E-A-T-H-E, with J-P, right, dot com. And everything's on there, I believe. You know, the courses are on there and, um, you know, how to find me, classes, email, everything like that. And I'm also on Instagram at John Paul Crimi, J-O-N-P-A-U-L-C-R-I-M-I, on Instagram. So, Sometimes I'm on Facebook, but mostly Instagram. Uh, the website's the best way to get a hold of me. Perfect. So there's lots of stuff there to go explore and try out. Yeah. 
And if, if you didn't write down his uh, website and you are listening, again, go to fallingupradio.com. And on there as well, like I mentioned earlier, you can get a copy of, of this book, Falling Down, Getting Up. I'll tell you a little bit more about that sometime, John Paul. Okay, great. Um, uh, but you can get a free copy of, of the book there on the website, get all of John Paul's information, and to be able to connect with him through the website. And I invite you, too, that if you really got something out, out of this, is to share this episode with, with a friend and uh, subscribe, you know, at the website as well so you don't miss any other future um, uh, episodes as well. And perhaps, John, Paul, you'll come back someday when – when some of these other endeavors keep unfolding, you know, we'll, yeah. we'll bring you back. I'd love to have you back and uh, we can chat some more. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the things I forgot to say is I have two guided uh, breathwork CDs on iTunes. So that's probably the easiest entry into trying breathwork. You know, they're me guiding you through, you know, that you can get off of iTunes and those are, you don't do it in the car driving. I had a friend that tried to, <laughs> He didn't, he ignored the intro. It said, don't do this driving. And he just started doing it, driving over to Panga Canyon. And it's a really bad idea. Hey, it's not a good idea. So <laughs> we'll, we'll put those links on following. I'd love up. to come back. Yeah, great. Well, thank you uh, for being with us today. This has been really great. And thank you for revealing yourself to uh, uh, perhaps help other people too. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been awesome. Great, thanks.